Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. We're using a science book this month. They say that we're part of the science of mind, and this month we're going to explore the scientific part of God and spirituality. The book is called E Squared by Pam Grouts, and uh, let me read you just the little blurb here at the bottom, and you'll see why Well, if you know me, you'll see why I picked it. Nine do-it-yourself energy experiments that prove your thoughts create your reality. So it's do-it-yourself, which I'm a big do-it-yourself kind of guy. It's like what we believe on Sunday, that our thoughts create our reality. And it's science experiments. It's like Bill Nye the science guy will be here every Sunday. (laughs) It'll just just look more like me is all. So... uh, so I think we're going to have some, some fun with this, and I'll even read you just a little bit from the introduction here. Uh, the foreword was written by a NASA scientist who, who had read the book. It's a real treat to find Pam Grout's writings, which help doubters like me fill that desire for spirituality. She presents in a delightful and fun way, and at a level that anyone can understand, that energy, power, and yes, even miracles are here and available to everyone all the time. The ideas and experiments in this book have helped me grasp, and in a language that makes sense, many of the things that spiritual teachers have been saying for thousands of years. I highly recommend this book to anyone who is seeking to understand spiritual ideas and how they apply to all of us, even someone like me who doubts organized religion's effectiveness. <laughs> so, so anyway, I think we're going to have fun with this book. And uh, if we're going to be using the scientific methodology, I think we should start with a joke about the scientific <laughs> method. So a teacher was using the scientific method to teach the class about evolution. And so she said, Tommy, do you see the tree outside? Tommy said, yes. Do you see the grass outside? Well, yes. Now, would you go outside and look up into the sky uh, and look up and see if you can see the sky? So Tommy does this. Okay. Did you see God? She asked. Well, no, said Tommy. I saw the sky, but I didn't see God. Well, that's my point, said the teacher. We can't see God because he isn't there. He doesn't exist. We just proved it using the scientific method. Well, there's a little girl in the front row, not very satisfied with this, and she asked the teacher if she and Tommy could could perhaps take another look at it. So the teacher said yes. So the little girl said, Tommy, did you see the tree outside? Well, yes. And you did see the grass outside? Yes. And you did see the sky outside? Yes, said Tommy. Well, Tommy, do you see the teacher right here before you? Yes. Do you see the teacher's brain? You can see where this is going, don't you, right? Yeah. So part of the scientific methodology that we're going to be using this month is not to always trust only what we can see and touch and taste, right? 
We're kind of used to things being the way we're used to them. And this month, I'm going to be asking you now and then to put aside our current set of beliefs about the way the universe works and rely on some scientific methodology to see if we can maybe prove something a little bit different. I'm going to start out with the first of the experiments from this book, and it really talks about the existence of everything. And so in our terms, we might call it God. In Pam Grout's terms, she calls it the field of possibilities. And so as a scientist, what she has been noticing, especially around quantum physics, is that it's very difficult to explain how things work. We can observe how they work. We can see uh, a subatomic particle literally flashing into existence where it didn't exist before. We can observe this. We can track it. But we really aren't able, using our current level of science, to explain how it happens or why it happens. Uh, another example are electron paths. They literally, uh, now, now we, we think of an electron as orbiting a, 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 another particle, but what it really does is it potentially orbits it. Now this is hard to get a grasp around because right, we're, we're thinking of a nucleus and, and something ordering, uh, ordering around it. But what really happens is at any point of time, if we observe it with our consciousness, we can see the individual path that it's taking. But if we're not observing it, it only potentially exists. And they have proven this, that things only exist in potentiality waiting for us to observe it. Now, I'm going to try to say this in a, in a simpler way. So go back a few years and picture yourself watching Snow White on TV. I know, the old Disney movie, Snow White. Well, I hope you've all seen it. If not, I'll, if not, I'll reenact it for you. All right, so, so I get to be Snow White, and I'm walking out in the forest with my long white dress. I don't, that's the way I remember it. Actually, I think it was a blue dress, but anyway. So she's walking out in the forest, and remember what happens? She gets this weird, creepy feeling that she's being looked at. And, and it, from the audience perspectives, well, it should be because all of the forest's animals are like peeking out between the leaves and under the grass and up, do you know what? And so you can see just the, the little eyeballs. And then what? She turns around and what? They disappear, right? They totally disappear. And so this, as the scene unfolds though, it's about her making friends with the animals and they end up like cleaning the house for the dwarves and all that. All that kind of junk, but basically what it is here, this unseen force, totally on her side, totally able to actually do her housework for her. It's there to be at her beck and call. And yet at first, she didn't even believe that it was there. It took her searching for it. It took her awareness at a new level to see it before it could happen for her. Well, that's what we're going to kind of talk about a little bit today. The first principle that we're going to learn is called the Volkswagen Jetta principle. <laughs> and, and as Pam Grout tells it in her book, I'll try to relate as best I can. So uh, about 20 years ago, uh, Pam was out looking for a new car and a friend said, well, you should try this Volkswagen Jetta. It's a nice car. It'll do about what you want. And when Pam's going, well, that's interesting. I've never even heard of it. Like, is it a very popular car? I know I've never seen one or driven in one before. 
um, you know, tell, well, you should go test drive one. And so she did. She went and test drove one. Oh, and coincidentally, they had one in her favorite color, I think, which didn't hurt anyway. And so she test drove it. She started putting her finances together. And then she says in the book, and of course, that week, they released 20,000 of those cars in that color on the freeway just for her to look at. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like a car that she had never seen before because it was the focus of her attention. Now there were thousands of them everywhere and in her color, right? In the parking lot and on the freeway. Well, this is the, the Jetta principle, if you will. What we put our attention on will grow. And I want to use perhaps even a, a more scientific uh, uh, explanation of this. Back in 1961, Colin Turnbill, um, who was a, a, um, a, a, an anthropologist, uh, was, was in Africa doing some work with some tribes of, of pygmies that were still living there in their, their kind of natural original state. And, and, and part of it was their, their land was being encroached upon by, by people um, you know, using up the, the, uh, the forest for, uh, to create it into land. And this group of people had lived in a fairly small area for generation after generation. And literally in the, the Amazon, uh, in, in the, in the the jungle there in Africa, not the Amazon, in the jungle there in the Congo, they could only see about 25 feet because there would be brush and trees and stuff. And so generally depth perception wasn't particularly important because no matter where you look, most everything, you either couldn't see it at all or it would be right in front of you. And so one day they, they, they drove some of the tribesmen, maybe, I don't know, maybe 100 miles to where they had clear-cut things. And here was this huge vista open to them. And way up on the ridge was a line of water buffalo. Well, the tribesmen said, no, they're ants. Those can't be water buffalo. And no matter what the anthropologist said or, or tried to prove to them, he could not convince them that those were water buffalo because they knew the size of a water buffalo. And those were obviously small creatures walking across that ridge. I'm here to suggest that that's us. We go through most of our lives expecting things to be a certain way. We expect our life to be about as happy as it is right now. We expect our job to be about as productive as it is now. We expect our home life to be about as happy or unhappy as it is right now. We expect our life to keep on, for the most part, keeping on. I'm suspectful that there is a whole line of water buffalo out there that we're not even seeing because it's unfamiliar to us and we're not looking for it. We're not expecting a great new job because we're feeling stuck in the one we have. We're not expecting a new and wonderful and powerful relationship because we're, we're sitting in the one that we have now or, or the one that we don't have now, maybe worse yet, right? We're used to being single. We think we want to have a partner in our lives or a wife or a husband, and, but we're so used to being single, right? That's all we see. That's all we look for. That's all that's in our heart to experience. If we want to change our lives, 
Think Volkswagen Jetta. <laughs> because what you put your attention on will become into your power of vision. So if you want to find a new partner or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or if you want a great new job, if you want to feel better about yourself and your participation in life, you need to look for it. You need to have an experience of it. You need to move out into the world expecting to see your Jettas in full force, and you will. Now, I think what's interesting is Pam Grout says that she's not sure whether our thoughts actually physically create things or if it simply opens our awareness to experience the things that are already there. But she says, either way, this will work for you. Either way, our good is out there if we're willing to accept it. And so she says there are a couple steps here, and I believe they're true. They're the ones, actually, that we teach most Sundays. First of all, in order to accept something into your life, you have to have seen it first, right? You, can't, you won't start seeing the Volkswagen Jettas until you've seen one and test drove one, right? So if you want a long-term loving relationship, you better find some couples that model that well for you. Or you need to look back in your own history. If you've already experienced something, of course, you can recall your, your own sense of what love and, and life is like. But if you haven't really experienced that before, find some loving couples that actually model it. It's like you're doing a test drive, right? And the same thing with something like abundance, right? Just praying for abundance is a sweet thing. But then a lot of things in life are sweet. Do they get you anywhere? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. How, if you want abundance, you need to test drive it first. You know, have to know what it feels like. You maybe just go for you know cocktails down at the Benson Hotel or something. I don't know. Have that sense of elegance about you if that's what you want to experience. Because if you don't test drive it, you won't be able to actually see it. The the new job opportunity or or or, or the new opportunity for friendship or love will be like the ants up there. You'll see it and you'll go, well, no, that's not for me. So first of all, the idea of prototyping, the idea of taking it for a test drive so that you become familiar with what it looks like, noticing how you're feeling about it, being able to recall those feelings of what it is you want to experience, that is how you offer up to this field of possibilities, as Pam Grout calls it, that's how you offer up your impression, your mold to be filled. And that's the way she describes it. It's like you need to build a mold of what you want, and the universe will simply and beautifully fill it. Just like, just like Snow White's forest friends came and, and magically took care of her life, cleaned up the house, made the beds for all those dwarves, right? The universe is ready and willing to also create for you, to make visible for you, what it is you want to experience. I'm going to offer up one other thought here, and then we're going to move on. Because uh, the very first science experiment in the book I did, and I want to share my results with you, and that's going to be our homework for this week. So if we can use this Volkswagen Jetta principle in general... Why not use it about God? Why not say to ourselves, I'm going to do a science experiment um, this, uh, this week. I'm going to give 
God 48 hours to reveal itself to me. You guys are looking at me like either I'm crazy <laughs> or you're stunned. That and that, believe it or not, is the first experiment in the book. All right? So consider this homework as well as my experience. So I usually have my two days off during the week on Wednesday and Thursday. This Wednesday and Thursday, I got up on Thursday morning, or Wednesday morning, and I said, okay, God, you have 48 hours to reveal yourself to me in a way that I can't attribute to just a series of coincidences. In some way, that will convince me personally, not only that you exist, but you're on my side and you're my friend. And oh, and by the way, would you also convince me um, that I'm universally supplied? Because we've been having trouble paying bills a little bit in our household lately. So I'd like you also to just prove to me that I'm always supplied with what I need. Well, the next morning, the very next morning, we woke up and there was an envelope in our mailbox. Now our mail usually comes at noon to our house, and so I didn't even really know why I went and looked. There was an unmarked envelope in our mailbox with one of those brand new $100 bills in it. Now if any of you did this, by the way, I wanna thank you, because <laughs> I still don't know who did it. <laughs> well, I mean, I do know, I mean, I do know who did it, but I'm assuming there was some human agency involved in this. Do you see how powerful this can be? And then another thing, it's like, well, so it was a coincidence. Someone finally decided to pay me back some of the money that they owed me, right? Guess what happened when uh, the real mail came? There was a thank you card for someone that I had done a favor to with another one of those brand new $100 bills in it. Now. You don't know me all that well, but let me just tell you something about me. I can go 10 years without seeing a $100 bill. Uh, it's just, I mean, I know some people get paid that way, and other people always like to have a $100 bill in their wallet. Those are the first $200 bills that I have seen in probably maybe 20 years. On the same day, within about three hours, after I made a compact with God that within 48 hours he was going to show me that I am financially stable. Okay, but that's not the good part. So, so, what about, so what about God being manifest in my life altogether, right? So that day we left to go down to the beach to get out of the hot weather. Remember how hot it was last week? And so we're down at the beach staying in, in, in our sweet little cabin there and we have a brand new puppy. And I got to tell you, I love this new puppy, but at 10 weeks... The floor is a mess, right? They're not actually old enough to even be house trained for another few weeks yet. And so it's like, you know, every two hours, it's, well, I don't want to, you know, you don't need to hear about it at church. Uh, so we went to bed that night and I'm thinking, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what we wake up to on the floor, right? 3 a.m., there's a little nudging at the side of the bed and not the puppy, but our older dog, Sarah, is waking me up. And so I'm going, okay, she's never done that before, but good girl, we'll go outside. Sarah didn't have to pee. Sarah woke me up because the puppy needed to go out. So I'm like, okay, God, that, sit, you know, 
where I'm sitting, that's a little bit of a miracle there. I'm happy with that. So we're outside and the puppy's doing its business and Sarah and I are just walking up the road and it's a, it's a dead end little street where we have our, our cabin there. And, and uh, then I began realizing, oh no, God had something a little bigger for me in mind. The moon is full, shining down on the ocean. There's not a breath of air. And I gotta tell you, when was the last time you were at the coast when there's not a breath of air? It was still about 65 degrees out at three in the morning. The moon is full, the stars are out. That was God. And if there was any doubt, I'm looking down at Sarah again, the one that started this whole thing, and she's like a little pointer, like this. And I'm like, I'm like, you're not a pointer. What's going on? And I look up, I look up, and there's the Big Dipper. It's like it's the only constellation I actually know how to find. I'd never seen it before there at, at the coast. There's the Big Dipper, and as I watch it, a shooting star arches over and goes right into the Big Dipper. You ready for your homework this week? All right. So just, just a reminder, the way she suggests doing it is literally taking a piece of paper, writing down your starting date and your starting time, just like it was a science experiment. Record then the next 48 hours of, of what has happened to you that shows the existence of God in a way that uniquely would prove it to you. Now, each of us may have a different, a different example, right? Each of us may, may feel called to believe in that existence of, of this field of possibilities in a different way, but just record some of the things that happened to you. And feel free, as I did, if there are certain reassurances or a, maybe a blessing from God that you would like to have, ask for it too. But be definite. Uh, there's no reason that God can't respond to you in 48 hours. I mean, it's God, for gosh sakes, right? <laughs> now, you might ask me, so if it's this easy to prove that God exists, why haven't we ready already? Why, why don't each one of us have that really assured sense that God is alive and working for good in their lives all the time? Pam Grout says, it's because we're used to being in that enclosed forest situations that that, that that tribe in Africa was in. We're used to looking for God in different ways, right? We're used to thinking that God is some man in the sky with a beard. We're used to thinking that God is difficult to find or that, or, or that God only favors some people, right? The chose, chosen people. What if I'm not one of the chosen? What if, what if I was one of the leftover children, right? Right? So God's going to be harder for me, right? We're used to these odd ideas of what God is like. And so when we look for God that way, is it any surprise that we don't find God, right? I'm not going to probably see a guy in the sky with a beard and a book looking down saying, perhaps today, <laughs> right? Because that's not the reality of it. But let's get back to, and I, and I swear, I know I'm beating poor Snow White to death here, but, but if we look back at that simple, open-hearted idea that the universe the universe itself is here to support us as long as we, through our thoughts and our beliefs and our intentions, can receive it, can see it. If we look for that, that we will find.
And so I want you to have fun with our little science experiment this, this week. Remember, it's, it's a very simple one. Just write down in a little notebook your, your start time and, and your start date. Ask the divine for a sufficient personal proof of its existence. And then 48 hours later, just note your results. And we're going we're gonna to share with each other next week. We're going to take a little time at the beginning of the sermon next week, just very briefly, just to share some of our experiences. So I think we'll have fun. The rest of the month, oh my gosh, some of these, some of these experiments are going to knock your socks off. So let's start off with a fundamental one, and we'll continue to have fun as the month goes by. I'm going to close with a, a final quote uh, from Pam Grout here. She says, the problem is we look at the world with a giant chip on our shoulder. All we need to do is change the course of our crummy lives is to get over our ongoing grudge against the world, to actively seek and expect things to be different. As it is now, we devote nearly all of our time and attention to the things we do not want. But this is nothing more than a bad habit. And like any bad habit, it can be changed with conscious and deliberate effort. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence. There one field of possibilities, as Pam Grau calls it. There is this one unified field of all possible outcomes in this universe. And I know that I'm part of it. I know that my life is part of the one life, that my consciousness is part of God's consciousness. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each person here, as we're seeking our good, I know that it's seeking us. That as we open our mind to new possibilities and new ways of looking, as we let go of some of our our old habits and old perceptions, we are free to experience more. And so our life moves forward in love. Our lives move forward in life as we accept more, as we begin to see the jetta possibilities out there. The universe opens up with all of its love and attention. And I'm simply grateful for this, grateful for the power and presence of God as it shows up in so many miracles every day. And so I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you all for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, You can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.